Good afternoon. Today I have the lovely Chris with me. Hiya, Chris. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? I am Chris Whitaker, um, multiple award-winning author, as you can see. Shall I move out of the way? So I was going to be sipping from that, that tankard thing, you know. <laughs> and I am the author of Tall Oaks, All the Wicked Girls, We Begin at the End, and The Forevers, which you can just see back there, which is my debut YA book. And um, and I've had a really good year because um, we begin at the end has has done really well and um, and I've had lots of lovely messages from readers and um, yeah it's been really lovely. Yeah. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? I did not. No, I was one of those people that did had no idea what they wanted to do when I was at school. Um, did you? Out of interest. Um, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I had friends like that, and they um, they kind of wanted to be doctors and lawyers and things like that, and so they were they were on the road they wanted to be on. But um, I just I just thought that something would jump out, you know, to me, and it just never really happened. And it seems like such a big thing, doesn't it? You know, when you're eighteen and you're supposed to decide what you want to do for the next thirty years, or not necessarily do, but just be on the right path. And and my school was very much like that. They were like you. You know, they, they kind of preach that you can you can be anything so long as you choose it now, you know, so long as you get it right. Because um otherwise it's it's quite difficult, isn't it, to go down a path. Like I was worried um about choosing A levels and then thinking about going to university, which I didn't, but I would have just chosen to go for, you know, for the, the lifestyle that goes with it rather than because I wanted to do anything specific. Um I didn't didn't want to be a writer at all you know I've always been a reader since I was a kid you know the library is my my favorite place in the world but um no I just it seems like one of those out of reach things like not a real job you know getting to tell stories for a living I used to think it'd be amazing but it didn't seem attainable um to someone like me and that's really common actually and it's quite sad really that it's not thought of as an option <laughs> I think um there's a lot more now, isn't there? There's a lot more creative writing courses and things like that that are open to people and, and agencies and publishers run their own their own courses and things. But um, yeah, it just seemed. But then again, I don't think I could have been a writer when I was younger. You know, when I was like 20, I, I don't think I could have written a book. I don't know why. I don't even think it's life experience or anything like that. I just. I just don't think I would have been able to commit the amount of time and energy and and chunk of my life you know um into into doing something like that I mean I used to you know when you're at school you get you have to write 500 words or something like that and it seems like you know the biggest thing ever and oh it's 500 words and then a book is 100,000 words you know it's just it's too daunting isn't it it's just it seems like a mountain that you can't possibly climb so what made you take the plunge and go for it um I read a book called The Last Child by John Hart and um and and I've talked before about I was stabbed when I was quite young and and then I lost loads of money in the city and I had a really tough time mentally and some PTSD and things like that and and so so writing helped me I wasn't writing books I was just writing you know I read about this therapy technique where you can where you sit down and write about the bad things that have happened to you and you change the people involved and things like that 
And um, and so that was my experience with writing up to that point. Like I dipped in and out of it whenever I was stressed, whenever I was having a rough time. I'd, I'd turn on my computer and, and just start typing and writing. And I'd write random scenes from We Begin at the End. So I'd write, you know, a bit of Duchess, the character in it, you know, and, and it was just scenes that didn't run together and it wasn't supposed to be a story or a book. But, um, but I read The Last Child by John Hart. I don't know if you've ever read a John Hart book. No, he's um he's bigger, he's massive in the US. And um, so this book, The Last Child, is just it's about a missing child, and it's just beautifully written. And um, and I found it really inspiring. And and then I, I did some research and read an interview with John where he talked about how he was uh, um a successful lawyer and he quit his job in order to write. And um and at that point I was about to turn 30 and have been working in the city for nearly a decade. And, um, and I was a bit miserable, you know, it never, it just didn't feel like, I just didn't fit really. I just didn't, I, I wasn't happy basically is the easiest way of saying it. And, um, and so I looked back over the, the past 10 years or most of my life and, and looked at the thing that made me happy and the thing that I always turned to and it was writing. And so I thought there's something in that. So um, I quit my job um, without consulting my pregnant wife. <laughs> who was a student and um, I just, it was this overwhelming feeling, you know, I need to make a change and, and I made it and then, and then began to research agents and things like that. Cause I had no idea, you know, I, I didn't know you needed a literary agent and I didn't know how hard it was to get a publishing deal. And I just knew I wanted to write. I just wanted to tell stories. And, um, and I kind of naively thought that everything else would, would come with it. You know, if I, if I work hard enough, everything will, will be okay. And that's not always the case. I know that. <laughs> I know that now. Had I known it then, I might not have done it. You know, if I'd known the, the amount of submissions that they get, agents get every week and the amount of authors they take on every year, the numbers are kind of scary, aren't they? And they're stacked heavily stacked against you. But um, I rolled the dice, I guess. And, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, turning 30 has that effect on people, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And I'm about to turn 40 in a couple of months. And so I'm wondering what I'm going to do next. You know, I'll probably just jack it all in and, and do something completely different without telling anyone. You know, I'll just um, buy a boat or something, go lobster fishing, something, <laughs> something like that that I don't know how to do and will probably be not very good at. But um, no, I think I think I've found the thing you know I think you're lucky if you find the thing don't you I mean most people work purely for money I did it for most of my life you know and that, that's fine um I just felt that there was more out there or there was something missing and it was writing yeah absolutely um I'm a couple of years from 40 so hopefully uh by then I'll know I'm sort of getting there I think but <laughs> so much younger than I do You've got baby face as well. <laughs> you know, for a while, I used to get asked for ID, like even into my 30s. And it hasn't happened for ages. And then we were on holiday in Greece a couple of months ago and, um, and they wouldn't serve me. I was trying to get a gin and tonic at the bar and I was with my son, who is 10. And I said, this is my son next to me. And then, then they made me take my mask off. And as soon as I did, she went, oh, sorry. So I'm guessing the lower half of my face is really hot. Just this, this eye line above. 
<laughs> so, so I think um, I keep wearing a mask indefinitely. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I think when I was away, I was brushing my hair, and I noticed that the greys are starting to come through. I need to do my roots again. Oh, I forgot. To I know I'm getting a few just on the sides, um, but my dad keeps accusing me of dyeing my hair. Like you see, because he he went. He's got obviously got loads of grey hairs because he's just turned seventy, but um, but I just I haven't yet really. But they're going to come. I know they are. I don't know whether to just take them out though, just start pulling them out. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't want to go grey though. I still feel like I'm like twenty, so I shouldn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, maybe it'll happen overnight. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. My first grey hair, I was 30, and it was like that long, and it literally stuck up like that. I was like, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad times. Distinguished. Maybe we're just, we're not getting older, we're getting more distinguished. Maybe we're getting better. Yeah, we're just absolutely. Improving. I wouldn't say more mature, because definitely that is not the case. No, I, I, I was talking to a friend the other day about the point when you realise you're an adult. And um, and it, I, I'm I'm still waiting for it. I think you know, I still I still need my parents. But, but you know, like I talk to my dad about certain things and, and need advice constantly. And and I wonder when that changes. Even even though I've got three kids, you know, I am. Um, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Being an adult. I wonder if you never feel like that though. Yeah. Well, I mean, my granddad is ninety four, and he is the biggest child. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I thought you were going to say he's an adult, but no. no. He still takes a piss out of waitresses when we go out and he's always making silly jokes and stuff. So I'm pretty sure that never happens. Yeah. Well, that's good. Because I think I think my parents are adults, so I can't be an adult because I'm <laughs> their child. That's how my mind works. <laughs> I don't know what that makes my children, babies, all of them for their whole lives. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I work with well we've just had a new 16 year old start at, at where I work and she is just a baby I'm like oh <laughs> that does make me feel old then I'm like, wow I've done some um, some school talks and I sometimes look at the, the kids like I'm one of them you know like the 18 year olds uh, in the sixth form and I think we're the same and I'm like, I can be their dad <laughs> tragic is really tragic yeah, it's just cruel is what it is. Um, out of all the books you've written so far, do you have a favourite character? Um, Duchess, the outlaw Duchess Day Radley from We Begin at the End. Um, just because she's been with me for most of my adult life, you know, um, since I was since I wrote that her first ever line when I was nineteen. You know, I'm now thirty nine, so twenty years. I've, been with this character so it's yeah she is um it was hard to I still miss her it was hard to say goodbye it was hard to finish that book you know and think that I might not come back to it and I might not come back to this character and um yeah so so Duchess I would say with um second place is a tough one I really love Thomas Noble in the book um Duchess's love interest <laughs> reluctantly and um, Manny from Tall Oaks, um, Noah from All the Wicked Girls. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, they're all teenagers, really, aren't they? So, yeah. 
seems to be a pattern here emerging. But yeah, overall Duchess, um, I think you can't put that much into a character over that long without them, you know, kind of working their way into your your brain forever in your heart. And um, and I just spent, yeah, it was just, she was just so difficult to write and she evolved so much over the, over the time that I spent writing her and and the, the time I spent writing her dialogue, she's just, um, she just felt really real. She just felt really, really real, which is nice because that's how you want your characters to feel. And that's how you want readers. You know, you don't want to con- readers to constantly remember this is fiction. You know, you just want to, when, when I read a book, I just want to completely get lost in it, you know, and forget the world around. And, and the same is true when I'm writing. That's how I do it. You know, I forget everything around me. And I'll forget to get the kids from school and things like that. And that happens all the time. <laughs> if you were to be a character in any of your own books, which book would you choose? Which book? Yeah. Um, I think Tall Oaks is quite a nice town to live in, apart from the child abduction thing. I think it's um I I it's a beautiful town, you know. I found a few towns in um in California that that are like tall oaks. I can't remember the names of them. When I was writing the book, I looked at pictures and 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 read lots of nonfiction, and I tend to do that for all my books. But um, yeah, I could ha- I could happily live in tall oaks. You know, it's, it seems like a really lovely place to live. And what's the most interesting thing you found when researching your books? Um, probably just how staggeringly beautiful Montana is. You know, I haven't been there, but. Um, I, I found a book in the library and um, it's just pictures of Montana through the seasons. And it's like, they look like paintings. It looks unreal, you know, it's, um, it's just so, so incredibly beautiful. And it's now I have to go there. And I, I've been booked now three times to go to the US for, for book stuff and I keep having to move it because of COVID. And um, I think the paperback comes out next March in the US. So I will try and head over there and see as much of it as I can and, um, and and try and do some book events so that I can say that it's work and, um, and expense the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan anyway. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> um, do you hide any secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books? Um, I mentioned tall oaks in all the books, you know, that the words tall oaks are in there. Um, that's just a throwback to sometimes when I'm writing, I it's it can be so difficult, you know, to to write and to write and I, to write a book, um, to write a good book. <laughs> That's what I aim for. It can be so difficult just to get to the finish line that um, that I lose sight of why I did it in the first place, you know. And it starts to feel like a job, and it starts to feel like there's all this pressure, there's all this expectation, there's deadlines and you know, teams of people waiting for this thing that I need to do. So so um, I remember back when I was in the city and I was miserable and I had the idea for Tall Oaks. And so I write Tall Oaks in the books to remind me of that, to remind me, you know, you're doing this because you love it, first and foremost, and everything else is secondary. You know, everything, all the stuff that comes with it and the, the perceived success is just like, it's a bonus. You know, I would do it and I did do it for free you know, for many years and I did it just for fun. And I, you know, even if I didn't have a publishing deal, I would carry on writing, absolutely, you know, cause I love it and, um, and I need it in my life. 
and so to, so it all actually reminds me of that. Oh, well, that's lovely. <laughs> um, when you're doing your edits, what's your most overused word or phrase that you have to Oof. constantly cut out? <laughs> it, it changes from book to book. In, in We Begin at the End, there was a lot of glancing. There were so <laughs> many glances. And it became, in the US version of the book, um, my US, the assistant editor in the US, his name is Connor. And... Um, and I, in the acknowledgements, it says, um, thank you to Connor for glancing my way. And that's because, <laughs> that's because I picked up on that. And it became like a thing in the margins, like how many times can people glance? And you just don't realise you're doing it. You know, you don't. I think in probably in Tall Lakes, there was a lot of frowning. Maybe in we, uh, All the Wicked Girls, there was a lot of sighing. So, yeah, they're all me being tired, aren't they? Sighing, frowning. Yeah. <laughs> They're glancing. Um, there's also a lot of swearing in Tall Oaks. There was a lot. I did a count once and um, and it was a lot. You know, there's a character called Manny in Tall Oaks that he's got, he's got such a foul mouth. And um, and I was worried about it. But um, people took it in, you know, how it was meant to be, that character, how Manny was meant to be. He's not, he's not rude or anything like that. It's just his way, you know. Do you notice it when you're reading a book? If, if, if an author uses a lot of the same? Um, I do beta reading, so I have okay. to notice. So you definitely? But, um, yeah. Uh, sometimes, if it's a lot, a lot, then yeah, I will. Um, so but, what, and, and what, some, what are the most overused words? I'm going to try and avoid it from now on. What do you see cropping up? Um, what is it? Um, I know, uh, well, I, and I ask this question a lot, and just is quite a frequent one that comes up. Um, yeah. And like tears rolling down the face and stuff is something that's used loads. Yeah. Um, and shrugging, something else as well that I was, I beat reading a book at the minute and something came up, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> people say it all the time. I can't think yeah. of it. I was talking to an agent once, and she, and I said, what do you get? you know get sick of when when people send you submissions and um and she said um don't start the book with a long description of the weather so that always stuck in my head so now when I pick a book up I look for it and I deliberately avoid it don't begin with it it's fine later on but don't start with with this um yeah so it's funny what you remember yeah um yeah what you notice after a while I'm trying to think. I can't think for that other phrases, but yeah, as soon as I pick the book up, it will be there again. Yeah, it will. <laughs> um, and I've just completely forgotten what I was going to ask you next now, which is fine. Yeah, let's let's talk about the weather. It's all right today, actually. Anyway, no. <laughs> it is. I work. So I mentioned before um, to you, I think, before we started, that I've just finished my job at the library. And there's a, la a lovely lady that I work with at the library and we made a pact to never talk about the weather while we were there. And if we did, we, we got fined because it's like the go to that everyone that we talk to talks about the weather. So it became a thing. You can never talk about the weather. Let's do that, Donna. Whenever we talk, we can never mention the weather. OK, it's that's fine. More interesting things to talk about in the world. Yes, absolutely. It's a deal. <laughs> So have you made lots of author friends since you became an author? <laughs> I have. I've been so lucky. That's been the best thing. 
I think my number one favorite thing about being an author is is the lovely people that you get supporting you and get to surround yourself with them and crime writing festivals it's it's never more apparent than when you're at a festival and and no one is alone you know you can just walk into it and um having just met these people on twitter or just read their books and everyone is um so quick to smile and say hello and um and just offer you support and um when i when i first started when i wrote tall oaks i um was with a publisher an imprint of bonnier called 27 and they only published debuts and so there was a big group of us on twitter we had a twitter a um a private group thing and then we were all going through it together at the same time so it was really lovely as you know it can be like sometimes like being thrown in at the deep end you know all of one minute you're writing alone you know, and then querying agents and things like that. And then the next you're, you know, editing for real and going in and looking at covers and things like that. And it can, it can be a bit overwhelming and you can forget, you know, what kind of questions to ask, things like that, what to look out for. And, um, and it was nice to have everyone go through it together. So, um, yeah, so I just had a really great publication experience and I have had with every book since, you know, it's just been overwhelmingly positive. It's just everyone everyone that I've worked with and everyone that I've met in publishing is just so passionate about books, you know, and you're all on the same team and you're all, you all want the same thing and you all want to reach as many readers as you can and produce the best books that you can. And, and it's just such a lovely industry in that respect. And uh, you said when, when we first started that you've had a lot of feedback from um, readers. Um, have you had any strange or really funny feedback? Oh, endless. Endless. I see. I attract the. Um, I won't say weirdo. I'll say. I'll say quirky. Um, interesting. I attract the interesting reader. Um, yeah. Endless um, requests for for me to sign certain things when I've done book clubs. It's not always books that people want signed, which is entertaining. Um, I've had some nice gifts that people send me. Um, anything weird. Um, one person wanted me to write a story with them in it and um, <laughs> they were very serious about it as well. It was this really nice lady, but she, she just, she just was very insistent that she be a lead character, not necessarily the lead. And it was really, um, I just, I, I would never do it. You know, you get people that, um, that put their friends in and stuff like that in books and, and it would pull me out of the story. I think, you know, if I was writing something and I recognised someone I was, because I always get asked, um, you know, are any of the characters based on anyone you know? And they never are. I mean, unconsciously, they must be. I must take things from people and things I see on the news and, and books that I read. I'm sure we all do that. But um, consciously, no. You know, although my friends will try and claim the best characters for themselves. <laughs> I'm many. Um, yeah. So, yeah, many 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 interesting requests and and a lot of um you know one lady messaged me to to tell me that there were loads of mistakes in my books and I should hire her as a proofreader for the next book you know to improve it um yeah I've, I've just had loads um loads of people tell me that they can help me improve as a writer but I don't know what that because I don't reply I don't know what they're selling they must be selling something um but for the most part, just really lovely messages and loads during lockdowns who um, um, from people that have said that 
you know, I help them through it, you know, help them escape for a while when people are stuck at home, which is the nicest message. And um, lots of people that, you know, I've had some really emotional messages from, from people that have had a duchess in their life or have been duchess when they were, when they were children. And it, it's surprising how many people had such a rough time. And, and so, um, you know, so depressingly common for children to become carers and, and to grow up way quicker than they should and to have no real childhood. You know, they kind of just, they just skip it entirely and they, their life is just responsibility and pressure. And I've had so many people like that message me, you know, and, and just say that, you know, they, they could relate. And it's, it's, it's really lovely and it's really sad. And, um, and I'm glad they enjoy the story. You know, for the most part, they just say that, you know, they really, really loved it. And um, so I know that I've done my job at that point. Yeah. Um, I always ask, um, and this is going to be an interesting one, as you have experienced a lot, but since you began writing, what's been your standout favourite moment? <laughs> That's so difficult. Um, God, so when I began, I had no, no kind of bigger... Um, no bigger goal than just you know reaching readers you know and then and then the goalposts change quietly quite quickly you know you want you want a foreign deal and then you want a tv deal and then you want to win an award and then you want to be a bestseller and things like that um probably finding out I was a new york times bestseller um that was that's something that is so big i didn't ever even dream of it i didn't ever think it would happen and um and my daughter was teething at the time and I was trying to get her to sleep. So I missed the call from my US editor telling me that I was the New York Times bestseller. So I'll never forget that. Um, the Disney deal, that was like a pinch me moment. You know, it's Disney. It's mad, isn't it? Isn't it mad? I still can't quite believe it. Um, and then, of course, the dagger um, and Theakston's. That was amazing, Theakston's, because I've been going to Harrogate for, forever, you know, and I've... Um, and I've always watched kind of in awe, you know, the authors that get longlisted and then shortlisted. And it's such a tough longlist and such a tough shortlist. You're there with like legends of the industry and, um, and writers that you've been reading forever and that you've admired forever. So to win it was, um, yeah, I still can't believe it. You know, I don't I don't think it's something that will ever sink in. If I didn't have this giant trophy, right me, I would not believe it. I wouldn't believe it. So. In answer to your question, there's I've been very lucky, I think, to have so many, so many moments. Um, yeah, just loads. Yeah. The first newspaper review, that's always really cool, you know, running out to buy a newspaper because your book's in it. It's um, yeah, I still feel like a fan when I go to these things rather than an author. So <laughs> everything is just lovely. And is there anything left that you or what's your biggest goal now? What's the goalpost now? I'd like to see the characters on screen. So it's one thing, you know, TV deal with Disney, things like that. Actually getting to the finish line takes a long time and a hell of a lot of work. Um, but we're on the right track, you know, for that to actually happen. So, so that must be a very, you know, to see lines that you've written, spoken, but on screen must be another one of those moments. Um, but yeah, just to, just to keep improving, I think, as a writer, you know, I don't I, I get asked a lot now about 
whether I feel pressure because we begin at the end did quite well, you know, to to top it or better it. And they're each their own thing. You know, I write the best book that I can at that time um, and will hopefully become a better writer as as I get more experience. So, yeah, just to keep to keep telling the best story that I can to keep giving everything to it. That's um, yeah, that's what I aim for. It was um, that's one thing that I took away from Bloody Scotland um, when I listened to Stephen King and Edward Barclay, because um, Stephen King has 60 odd books, I think. Mm. And Edward said to him, what motivates you to keep doing it? You know, surely by now you can coast, you know, you don't have to keep trying to, um, you know, write all these amazing books. And Stephen King's like, every time I send a book to an editor, I think they're going to come back and say, what have you done? What is this? He said, and I still want to write the best story that I can. So obviously that never goes away. <laughs> and if someone's like Stephen King, you know, is in that position, um, it's telling, isn't it? I think, you know, it's, it's more, it's a vocation, isn't it? It's not a job. It's um, something that we do because we love, love telling stories and love writing. And, um, and that any success that goes with it is just a bonus. Yeah. Um, are there any authors that you fanboy over? Just too many. There's so many. There's um, John Hart, obviously, is the number one because he inspired me to be a writer. And um, and I got to do an, uh, a thing with him, an event at three o'clock in the morning um, <laughs> um, in March, it was. And um, and that was a really special moment because I got to tell John Hart the John Hart story, you know, about about my life. And that was really cool. Um, Kristin Hanna, who is massive, um, she's just just a born storyteller. Um, so she read We Begin at the End and, and I was shelving her books in the library, the same with Mark Billingham. There's this, there's this thing, um, Harrogate, I said it on stage, I, I shelve their books and then they read and then somehow I get a message from them and a quote you know it's happened uh, it happened with Mark Billingham and then Chris Brookmeyer and then I was shelving um, James Patterson and got a James Patterson quote <laughs> not long after so I think it's like it's like a weird kind of voodoo <laughs> magic thing going on um so they've been yeah they're all special um John Grisham I love you know he's such a brilliant storyteller John Grisham is one of those you know where you can pick up one of his books and then all of a sudden you start skimming the pages all of a sudden you're halfway through and you don't know how it's happened and um, and that's the mark of someone that's really gifted I think um yeah just too many how about you um just all of them everyone <laughs> I mean yeah meeting you um Will Dean um Mark Bingham is always fun yeah I mean it would be Stephen King as well I think yeah you know, like most people I've read him since I was a teenager so yeah same um brilliant and if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, I would choose my friend Tom Wood because because I haven't seen him since before lockdown, and he's one of my closest friends and a brilliant author, and um, and I really miss him. I really really miss him. We used to, you know, our um, at least once a month we would just meet in London for dinner and and drinks and and just catch up you know and talk about writing and how it's going and things like that and I really miss that I really need that you know and um and Covid has been oh it's been so brutal hasn't it for so many ways in in so many ways and for so many people and um 
yeah, you just it, it makes you kind of appreciate that the small things that you took for granted. Yeah, but then if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't be doing this, I don't think. So Yeah, so there's yeah, so it's it's strange, isn't it, how life works? It is really Very. and I think of all the bad things that I've been through and the difficult times. And then I think sometimes I wish I I think I, you know, if I could do it differently, and then I think I wouldn't have ended up being a writer had had anything been been different in my life. So I, I don't like to look back too much. No, it's best, I think. Yeah, I think so. You can drive yourself a bit mad, can't you, asking the what-ifs? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it because nothing's going to change, so it's a waste of time. It is. <laughs> just, you just have to take something from it, learn from it, and then um, keep moving, I think. Um, so, although it doesn't sound like you have much, when you do have free time, what do you like to do with it? Um play with my kids a lot you know we play endless games of football and hide and seek we're really into at the moment because <laughs> we've had we had a small house that's been turned into a bigger house I know there's loads of places where they hide and I can't find them ever and <laughs> most of the time I just give up <laughs> like quite quickly and I put the tv on and then they turn up about 20 minutes later <laughs> so yeah spending time with my kids um I like to watch boxing. I really love that. You know, I really like big fight night. It's like my best thing ever. Um, I don't, um, reading, obviously, watching TV occasionally. I, I really miss that. You know, when you can binge on box sets, I haven't done that for, I can't even remember, since before we begin at the end was, was a thing, um, was probably the last time. Um, yeah, gym, I go to the gym almost every day and swim and things like that and that's that's because if I didn't I would be stuck at my desk all day and I would never come out for air and um and I found that I'm happier when when I'm busy for one and when I'm exercising they're two things that that I kind of yeah I like a day off you know I really enjoy it but only when I'm busy on the other days if that makes sense like my dad retired quite young and then got so bored he went back to work again and then he's retired like three times and I kind of get it. Do you know what I mean? That thing, you know, where all of a sudden you've, if you get up in the morning and there's nothing on the calendar, that's only nice if um, if you've been busy beforehand, I think. Certainly for me, that's true. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because we moan that we're too busy and yet yeah. we, need, we need that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you were able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? Um, I'm a child of the 80s, so I love the 80s, you know. Um, I would, I'd be too scared to go forward because I would discover that I bombed as an author at some point. <laughs> and that'd be really depressing. Um, too scared to go back in case I tweak something and mess everything up, you know, like Back to the Future style. Um, so I'd probably just stay where I am. I'd obviously do the lottery thing, you know get the lottery numbers of course um no i i would um i would be right here right now i think talking to you which is nice obviously we're only born a couple of years apart so i'd like to go back to the 80s but as like a an 18 year old so that i got to experience all the bands and everything yeah and, and the amazing um fashions of the 80s obviously <laughs> 
as long as you didn't get a money, as long as you know that they're bad even now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would so be that person as well that had a mullet. You know, I followed all of the trends. Yeah. Um, if I was to ask your darling wife what your most annoying habit was, what would she say? Um, that I don't sleep. You know, it's um, it's a problem. It's always been a problem. I've never been good at it. Um, I tend to wake her up accidentally quite a lot just because I'm tossing and turning all night. I'm just really bad at it. Really, and I've tried everything, everything you can think of, I've tried. And um, I just find it, the second I switch the light up and lie down, my brain switches on, you know, <laughs> it's like, and so I, I will write notes for the book. Most of the note taking is done at 3 a.m. And that's, yeah, I did it last night. It's, um, I just, they just come into my head, you know, plot points and things like that. And, and I think if I don't get this down, I'm going to forget. And that's happened before. And I'm certain I've forgotten like the best idea for a book that <laughs> anyone's ever had. Um, and who was your first celebrity crush? Um, maybe Kylie. I think so. Yeah. There was a lot. <laughs> I was a teenager. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Um, how about you? I don't remember. I really don't. I mean, I assume it was Jason because, you know, it was. Yeah, like, I remember yeah. Neighbours was a big thing when we were young, wasn't it? It was like everyone watched Neighbours. And so obviously I was completely in love with Kylie Minogue. Um, yeah, that's the first that I can remember. Yeah, I saw um, Jason Donovan at um, Meraki Festival and the Heart Showground okay. um, a few years ago. And I was right at the front because I was on my own and I was literally like right at the front. And I was surprised I remembered all the words to all really? the songs. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, they've aged really well, haven't they? I mean, Kylie is still my crush now. So. <laughs> well, she is hot, to be fair. She is, yeah, no doubt. And Jason Donovan wasn't too bad either, actually, as far as I recall. <laughs> yeah, so I think we did well. I think we crushed well. Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah nothing embarrassing. <laughs> um, are you working on anything at the moment and do you know what you're doing next? I am, I, I never know what I'm doing next. <laughs> I am working on the new book, um, the new adult crime, massive big crime love story spanning 30 years in the US. Um, and that will be out in spring 2023. That's the plan. Oh my God. I know. <clears throat> that's the plan. Yeah. Assuming I, I hit my deadlines and things like that. And that's a big if. Um, but yeah, that's what we're aiming for. And we begin at the end is still, um, it's still slowly coming out. It's just come out in Germany and, and then it will be France and Italy. And, and so there's still a lot, you know, I still do quite a bit of PR and things like that for that, which is lovely because I didn't want to say goodbye to Duchess. So um, I found it quite difficult um, balancing, you know, because when I start a new story, I like to throw myself into it and block out the outside world. And, um, and I'm slowly discovering that that's not possible. You know, you have to learn to put things in boxes and, um, and you don't get that luxury, really, you know, to, to just have, have a long period of time without anything else going on. Um, but I think that's true of just the world in general. You know, during COVID, I found it hard to write because of what was going on in the world, you know. 
it's um it's hard isn't it to just to just shut things out it's the same with reading you know just escaping into a book or tv or anything it's, it's been harder over the past year year or so for me it's difficult it is what's the best book you've read in the last say six months or so um the last house on needless street um i just loved it i loved that book so much um can't remember if it was six months or longer ago that I read it but um yeah that that was such a standout you know she's su such a talented writer and um and I was in the mood for it I was in the mood for something a bit gothic and a bit a bit scary and and beautifully written and yeah I just um just loved it brilliant book how about you I need to read that I keep seeing about it um god I've read so many good books this year um, the the most recent perhaps is um, Invisible by Sarah Bourne, um, where a woman is um, wrongly imprisoned for under terrorist charges, right? And then she goes to Pakistan to find her husband, and all sorts happens. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Mm, I should read it definitely, but you yeah. must get sent a lot of books. Literally, I read arcs. I don't read anything that I want to read. I just read yeah. the next arc. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to do the same. And um, and and when I was working in the library, I just grabbed everything, every book that I liked. I was like a magpie. Anything um, shiny and new and, and that I like the look of, I just took and, and read. And um, But it's been harder and harder, you know, not just, yeah, just finding time um, because I'm exhausted by the time I do evening events and things like that it can be like midnight or one o'clock in the morning and um, and then I still I trade in the stock market in the morning so I'm at my desk at seven so between that and and the baby who is um sleep training is um it just doesn't leave enough time you know and I, we went on holiday we went to Greece for a couple of weeks and I took so many books and I read nothing it was so <laughs> depressing um because holidays before kids were just lying by the pool reading. Like I could get through 10 books easily. And uh, so I really missed it. Yeah, I thought I'd read loads when I went to Scotland because seven hours on a train. Yeah. There and seven back. I read one book over the whole weekend. <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah but, but it's like that Harrogate, isn't it? You're just, you're never in the hotel. You're never in your room, ever. And um, I think that's the way it should be. It's just too much fun, isn't it? There's too many people to speak to and too much to too many brilliant panels to watch yeah absolutely <laughs> well I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you about that you want to tell us I think you've covered everything and they were really good questions they were, it was a really interesting um chat and um I it's taken ages for us to arrange this and I'm so glad we did um I've been looking forward to it um thank you very much for having me you're welcome, and me too. Uh, yeah, I finally cornered you. I still haven't got Simon Koenig. I'm going to have to beat his ass when I finally catch up with him. <laughs> I love Simon. He's great. He's so much fun. Yeah, I know. I was telling him off, and still he hasn't got back to me, but he'll pay for that. It's fine. <laughs> um, so before we go, if there's anyone left in the UK that doesn't know who you are or where they can get your books from, would you like to remind them? Um, I am Chris Whittaker. This is my book. In case you can't see the 7,000 copies I've got behind me. Um, I don't actually own anyone else's books. So um, you can get my books everywhere. I think um, it, um, Waterstones, 
Smith's, Amazon, supermarkets, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really rubbish at this. Um, or you can just message me and I'll send you one. Easy as that. <laughs> and where can they message you? Uh, Twitter. I'm at Witty Author. And Instagram at Chris Whitaker Author, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm a bit crap on social media, but um, I'm getting better. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Donna.